Just a warning for everyone today. This episode contains graphic depictions of an animal attack. So listener discretion is advised. Ryan Hawkinsmith, I don't even know how to begin to talk to you about this story. So where do you want to start? Buckle in first, because this is a wild story. And it starts on the Northwest College Wrestling Team. Northwest is a small public community college in Powell, Wyoming, uh, and which that sits right on the edge of uh, Yellowstone National Park. And there's two teammates, Brady Lowry and Kendall Cummings. Yeah, I'm Brady Lowry, Steer City, Utah. Kendall Cummings from Evanston, Wyoming. They'd only known each other for about six weeks, but... They're both on the wrestling team and they're, they're partners and there's something uh, especially bonding about being partners. You either end up loving each other or hating each other. They brawled all day in the wrestling room and then they hung out all evening, a lot of nights. We beat the crap out of each other every day and uh, it just creates this bond that I don't think any other sports team really has. Brady Lowry ended up sharing with Kendall something. Kendall had done it too before, but it was called uh, shed hunting. Uh, which is kind of Brady's side hustle where he could make some money. I'm guessing you have not been shed hunting before, Pablo? (laughs) I have no idea what shed hunting is. So far, I'm imagining someone looking for a shed. That's what I thought, too. I thought they were talking about going to Home Depot and looking at all those little plastic sheds that they have outside. Yeah, a challenge in its own right, in fairness. So shed hunting, it's, you know, you go and walk in the mountains and... The animals, deer, elk, moose, you know, they all shed their antlers every year. They just fall on the ground. So you're pretty much on a big Easter egg hunt looking for these antlers that drop every year. That was Brady Lowry. Brady and Kendall, were, they both said they're they're good at shed hunting, which there is apparently a skill set that you can develop. For a brown, fresh set of elk antlers, they're going for about $20 a pound, and you can find them anywhere from five pounds to 15 pounds. So a good set of elk antlers could go for 300 bucks. On October 15th, it was at the end of their first week of official practice. Brady threw it out there to the wrestling room one afternoon. Uh, Hey, anybody want to go shed hunting with me and Kendall this weekend? And two guys raised their hands. We were going, even if it was just me and Kendall, you know, we weren't banking on anyone else coming, but that's when Oren and Gus said, yeah, you know, we'd we want to come for a little hike with you guys. So, Gus Harrison and Oren Jackson, they set out for the woods outside Yellowstone. They were going to look for some antlers, maybe make some money, pay for some college books. And so they're basically like, yeah, let's go find all of this cash that's essentially just there for us to pick up off the ground. How'd they do? They had collected a couple hundred dollars worth of antlers They were maybe six hours in, 15 miles of hiking that day. And right around dusk, they split up from uh, Gus and Oren. They were kind of hiked out. They haven't been, you know, hiking forever like me and Kendall have. So they they decided to take the easy route back. They were going to drop down to the bottom and walk the lower stuff, see if they couldn't find any down there. So this mountain that they're hiking and now splitting up across, as the sun is setting, I... I... (laughs) I'm feeling out of my own personal elevation levels here, Ryan. Uh, what's the degree of difficulty on a task like this? I should probably ask that question too. It's very difficult. This is this is a dangerous territory. There's 
good luck getting a cell phone signal. It's possible, but not likely. There's animals everywhere. The hiking, the terrain is just absolutely brutal. Um, and you never know what you're going to walk into. And that's exactly kind of what happened to them. They waded into this deep brush and Kendall hears Brady yell, hey, Kendall, watch out for this big pile of bear crap. It was fresh and a lot of it. I kind of knew. I looked over at Kendall and I said, Kendall, that's a that's a lot of bear crap right there. And almost simultaneously is when I heard the first crashing of the bear coming out of the trees at me. And Brady had just said the bear crap part of that sentence when this 500-pound grizzly bear just collided with him, hit him in the chest. Kendall described it like this. I heard the crashes too, and he was yelling, bear, bear. And uh, I pretty much just watched this bear tackle him down the hill. Suddenly, these two wrestlers, they were in the toughest match of their life. So if you listen to any of the... I guess almost 700 episodes of ESPN Daily that I have hosted at this point, you are probably expecting almost 700 bear puns in today's show, which is totally fair. I cannot tell you how much I am restraining myself from doing exactly that right now. But this story you're about to hear, brought to us by Ryan Hawkinsmith, is so insane that it demands that I resist my very worst instincts and entendres and that we just cut right the chase. So without further ado, I am Pablo Torre. It is Friday, March 10th, and this is ESPN Daily. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So Ryan, before we, before we get back on this mountain, and I am uh, terrified of getting back on that mountain with you in this story, um, I, I do want to acknowledge that all I know about grizzly bears is that, like, experts tell you don't even bother fighting them, right? Experts say your best defense against a grizzly bear is to lay and pray. <laughs> Hope that they think you're dead. That's how dangerous a grizzly bear can be. You know, there's never been a, a bracket where we had these animals of the earth <laughs> fight each other mm. to the death. But like when I talk yeah. to experts, there's a very good chance if there was a seating committee, the grizzly would be the number one seed. Right. This is not I mean, the black bear is is what, like uh, a 10 seed, maybe if that like a, like a <laughs> they're a mid-major. Um, they're the things sort of like rooting around in your garbage in like Connecticut. But this thing is enormous. I understand. 
typical female grizzly weighs something like 500 to 600 pounds, stands about seven feet tall. They can run about 30 miles per hour, which, you know, a typical 100 meter gold medalist sprinter runs like 20 to 23 miles per hour. <laughs> so just blowing right past the Olympic gold medalist can climb trees. You know, if you think you can make it up a tree and get away, good luck. And then their their jaw is so strong that a, a grizzly can crush a bowling ball with one bite. So, you know, as I put it in my story, imagine if, uh, you know, the, the biggest NBA center added 150 pounds of muscle or so and could easily win the 100 meter dash at the Olympics. <laughs> Yeah, what if Yao Ming was also as fast as Usain Bolt and also was eating bowling balls? Yeah. Um, I would not want to wrestle this creature, uh, Ryan. And so this is what Brady Lowry and Kendall Cummings, our, our two wrestlers, have have quite literally just run into. And what happens after Brady acknowledges by a yell, bear? Well, the bear was on him and they were rolling across the ground. I just remember from where the bear first hit me to where I ended up, it it took me a long ways. I mean, it had its way with me, that's for sure. Brady is a two-time Utah high school state champion. He's been in wrestling rooms his whole life. He's wrestled 250-pound kids, 150-pound kids, great wrestlers. He knows what it feels like when somebody grabs a hold of you and how to, you know, body leverage and all of that other stuff. Yeah. Absolutely no chance. You can't compare it to wrestling a person. Been on the mat with the best of the best and and you can still feel like you can do something, you know, but when there's the bear on top of you and it's got a hold of your arm throwing you around, there's, yeah, you can't really compare it to anyone you've wrestled. And he went flying across the ground and he remembers her running like right alongside his tumbling body, almost like a basketball rolling across the ground. And she was hitting him the whole time. I just remember I was really trying to protect my head and my neck. And that's when it was rolling me. And I think it was kind of trying to find my head or my neck or something and pushing me up against rocks. But kicking and punching is really all you can do under there. And it's not going to do nothing to the bear. And so Kendall, who is 30 yards away, what is he deciphering in this moment? Humans tend to have this belief that in situations they will step in and study after study shows that that's actually not the case. Most people freeze up. And Kendall had one second where he was freezing. He wanted to help his friend, but what, what was he gonna do? I remember kind of looking over my shoulder and thinking about running. And then uh, I grabbed rocks and sticks and I was throwing them and nothing was working. He saw the violence and he knew he'd get ragdolled by this thing too. And, and he thought, and then we're both dead, you know? So he thought about, do I run and I do I call 911? Do I look for the other guys? He thought maybe he could grab Gus and Oren. They were down at the bottom of this hill. Gus did have a gun, but as he watched this incredible violence with Brady, he realized like his friend had maybe 30 seconds of, of that before he'd be dead. And so what does Kendall decide to do after doing all of that math that quickly? So he decided he wanted to engage with the bear. I remember yelling at the bear myself and kind of getting big and, and waving my arms. So then he threw a stick and he threw a rock, hit the bear in the back with a rock, still nothing. And then he just decided to, it's just a wild decision. 
he launched the most dangerous takedown attempt he'd ever tried. Wait. <laughs> yes. Wait. I, I I'm I I'm trying to visualize this, and I I I it's not computing. It it doesn't compute. So few of us would be willing to do what he did. He knew. I mean, it's not like he did not expect that he was going to tap the bear on the shoulder and the bear would look over one shoulder and he would run the other way. He knew that once that once it was on, it was on. I was kind of on a rock, a boulder, and uh, kind of hopped down off of it and walked up to the bear and pulled it off of Brady. And there was a second where we just kind of locked eyes. And he even said he got a hold of the bear's neck, all this fur around her neck and just started mm. grabbing and pulling. But the bear now knew Kendall was there and was a threat. He thought maybe in this distraction of two humans going in opposite directions, maybe, maybe the bear would get distracted. Maybe the bear would say, you know, I better get back to my cubs. Maybe, 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 maybe we could, we could just run off and, and get away. So holy shit, right? This is what I imagine Kendall is now realizing as he has done this thing and he has just jumped off and this mama grizzly is now deciding to do what? Well, it was on. Um, he took off running. Kendall's really fast. He's like this lean, very physical, good shape, very fast runner. And he said he made it about, he thinks about 30 yards, all full on sprint. And he decided to do one look over his shoulder to see what the bear was going to do. I don't think it knew I was there. So when I walked up to it and grabbed it and like physically pulled it off of him, it was kind of in a state of shock. But when I took off running, yeah, it just, it took two great big lunges, probably in two steps that covered the length of the two vehicles parked, you know, and then it was on me just like that. He said it was the worst club he'd ever felt, you know, and he got pushed to the ground. She pounced on top of him and just started biting. I was stuffing my hands in its mouth, trying to just protect, uh, like, my face and neck and chest and stuff, but uh, it didn't really help. I mean, if it wanted, it was just, it could do whatever it wanted. can't even imagine being at the place in your life where you're just like, here, eat this from my body rather than this other thing. Yeah, it's a horror movie beyond a horror movie at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And so she kept biting him, um, bit him over and over again. Kendall ended up going limp on the ground. And I should say here now that an important side character in this story is Kendall's backpack, which was loaded up with antlers. I think the backpack kind of kept me squared up with the bear it was always right in front of me because it, it would try and roll me too but with the antlers it was just kind of too hard so he's laying there on the ground and the bear looked at his body for a few seconds and then kind of lumbered away back toward where he thought brady's body had ended up and so he opened up his eyes he's laying on the ground he had so much blood pouring down his face that he couldn't really see well anyway he just knew that the bear was going the other way and maybe, maybe this was an opportunity to get away. I gave it a minute and it got up into the trees above me. And uh, that's when I yelled for Brady and I just kind of said, Brady, you there? You all right? And uh, I didn't hear nothing. So really I thought potentially Brady was 
dead, you know, and uh, I'm in the thick of the trees and I can hear sticks breaking and stuff and kind of some sniffing and snorting. And uh, then I just see this bear's head kind of come through the trees and then it turned his head and we looked at each other again and it charged me the second time. Okay, so first off, what a fucking friend Kendall is so far. Like he's known this other dude less than two months and he is risking everything to make sure that he's doing all right. And this is inviting a second attack from this bear. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you hit on it. It's like one of the themes of this story is like, what is a friend? What is a, a true friend? I mean, I've known people for 20 years. And if you ask me, can you come help me move this couch? I'm like, oh my God, I'm so busy. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. These guys didn't know a lot of information about each other, but they felt a connection. And it was forged in that wrestling room of just blood and sweat. And that's the level of friendship that these two guys were working with. And so it is just absolute chaos out there. And the, the bear comes roaring back. That's when it's got my arm, my leg, and it was just crazy. It would just pick me up, pick my whole body up off the ground and just shake. At one point, I think, did the bear bite in and pick you up by your head? Yeah. And you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember everything. He does not remember the pain of this moment, but he does remember the feeling of the bear's teeth colliding with his teeth, crunching into his skull. Mm, oh my God. As he described it, I, it just is like the most horrifying. Like it just, you shudder just thinking about it. And he just described this powerlessness of this, this creature just lifting him up. You know, she's defending her cubs, defending her, her habitat. Uh, sure. With incredible violence. She threw him down, dropped him on the ground, and he was so badly banged up at that point that he did feel like his body was like kind of betraying him. He couldn't hardly move anymore. So the second time, I thought, you know, that was going to be it. Everybody says your life kind of flashes, and I remember that happening, and I kind of saw a light, and it got bright, and I, I thought I was dead for sure. And Kendall thinks that she thought he was probably dead. And so she started to scoop dirt all over his body, just basically burying him out there. It walked away and kind of scooped some dirt on me like it was gonna save me and come back and have me as a meal. Where is Brady in this is the question that I have for you now because Kendall was trying to save him and what happened to him? So the bear disappeared after Kendall and Brady had it in his head. Maybe, maybe Kendall got away. I don't know. He wasn't sure where Kendall had gone. Very disorienting. Pulled out his cell phone. It was tough to get a signal, but he got a signal like one bar. My adrenaline's up so much. I know my arm's broken. I see blood on the ground. I can feel blood running down my back. So I kind of worked my way up the ravine because I was in the very bottom. So I kind of worked my way up and got service and called 911 as soon as I could and told them we need a life flight. We need, you know, we need help out here right now. He wants to get the Gus and Orrin, especially he knew Gus had that gun 
And he, he just thought maybe Gus could get up there. Maybe he could shoot the bear, scare the bear, kill the bear, whatever, just save their lives. Brady's screaming, help, help, help. I look down and see Gus and Orm. So I start yelling at them. And that's when they're looking up at me, kind of thought I was playing a joke with them. And they finally get the memo that I'm not joking with them. As they got a little bit closer, Gus and Oren could see the blood and also just this, I don't even know how to describe it, but his left arm, Brady's left arm was so badly broken that he was carrying it kind of like a, like a baby. And it was like limp and pinned to his side in a way that was so jarring that they realized, oh, this is not a prank. My God. I crossed back over to where they were at and talked to him and told them Kendall's in those trees with the bear. And, and that's when Gus and Oren kind of just turned and ran. They had a gun and, and they started running up the mountain. Gus got to him before Oren did. And he recognized the words bear and Kendall in all of the gibberish that Brady was throwing out there. And Gus mm. just really hit the gas pedal, went streaking up the mountain, pulled his gun, and he was ready to fight. Oren got to Brady and con- kind of consoled him. And Brady was on the phone with the 911 operator. And the 911 operator was like, don't go back in there. Right. You can't go back in. And I told her, you know, I wasn't going to go down. Like, I'm not going down. I'm, these friends are coming up. We need to get Kendall. We need a helicopter right to where I'm at. But we aren't leaving. And Oren's holding the phone, looking at his friend with his badly broken arm. He's seeing Gus streak up this mountain with his gun pulled. And Oren said to the 911 operator, we are not leaving. And he hung up on 911. I can't handle this, man. My body is... I am just listening to you tell this story and I can't handle this shit. And so what happens? What happens next? So Oren stayed with Brady. Uh, Brady was just in terrible, terrible condition. Um, His forearm was broken in half from a bear bite. They showed me the x-ray. This looks like a cartoon drawing of a broken bone because the bear bit right through it. And it was poking out of his arm And he was carrying it in a way that just you should just you just will never unsee. And as he stood there with Oren, you know, he had a feeling like maybe he was going to live, but he just ended up assuming that Kendall Kendall was dead. But Kendall was not dead. Not yet anyway. So it's important to remember here that adrenaline is one of the body's defenses here, right? I mean, this is what happens. You're pumped so full of the stuff. That when you're in the middle of, of, of battle, you're in the heat of it, you're not really feeling your body, you're not feeling your injuries. But now, after some time has passed, what you're saying is that Kendall, who is very much alive still somehow, he's finally starting to feel what's happening. You cross over from like a very painful, scary situation to like, I'm going to die, and that's all your brain thinks about. And so the adrenaline was pumping. His focus was on how do I survive this? I remember I looked at my phone because uh, I was going to call some people and the bear bit right through it. My phone was, it didn't work no more broken. But uh, then I remember reaching down to unclip my backpack and it felt like all my fingers had just been broken. I was so bad to move my arm and the one leg. So I just kind of slithered my way out and got up and started walking down. But Man, I mean, probably the first 100 yards walking down the whole time, I was just looking over my shoulder, just kind of thinking, you know, I can't do this again. But he got up off the ground 
And he, he managed to limp about a hundred yards or so to get to the edge of that brush area. And that's exactly when Gus got to the top and he had his gun raised and um, Kendall remembers him kind of clearing the scene like a police officer might. And it's, it's the first moment where Kendall thought, maybe I will make it. When I saw Gus, that was a huge relief for me. Like I said, everything hurt so bad. And when I could finally see my buddies and they could assist me, help me down, they ended up like firemen's carrying me on their shoulders at one point. And it was, it was relief to see them. But we are still up on this mountain and in all of this... Uh, how do they start to try and find their way out? So Gus got Kendall pretty, you know, he would go like, he would go 50 yards or so and then have to put Kendall down. And then Kendall would would wobble another 20 yards. And none of the four had a moment where they were like, can we just sit down and can I get a drink of water for a second? It was like still absolute utter desperation. But luckily for them, Oren and Brady were, they were struggling to get up this mountain, but they were coming toward them. And eventually they connected and they all hustled down the mountain to get away from this attack scene. And once they got to the bottom of the hill, they were kind of out in the open, got to a spot where 911 could have um, the, the EMT show up. And one of the most startling things that, that Brady told me about this sequence of this story is that he never looked at Kendall. He couldn't look at him. And mm. it wasn't that he was horrified by the injuries. He wasn't bothered by that at all. It was this thing that happened to him when he was standing there talking to 911 and he realized when they were saying, don't go back in there, that like Kendall was probably dead. And he felt this devastation about a friend trying to save him, this guilt, you know, that his friend had died in this struggle. And he had st actually started to kind of like accept it as a fact and feel the heartbreak and the, the sadness about that. The idea then that Kendall would come running out of the woods shook him in a way where he couldn't even like he couldn't even look at him. I was an emotional wreck kind of after like to see that he was okay. That's when kind of everything started hitting for me. Like we actually just got attacked by a bear, and this is serious. Like this is really serious. And so I was more worried than not being able to look at him. I was just kind of in shock. I kind of went into more of a shock than Kendall did. And so they're standing there waiting and they just start crying. Brady just breaks down and he ran over and he looked at Kendall for the first time. The injuries were terrible and horrifying, but like it, his friend was alive, you know, and he, they had this, this huge hug and they just had, both had blood pouring out of their bodies. Brady's arm was just almost completely useless and yet that hug was the best hug either one of them ever had in their entire lives coming up the long road of healing Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs of real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value, 
Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot. Taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So Ryan, I should say that I feel like we have the ending to this movie already. We have, we've all survived. Roll the credits. Uh, we made it. The thing, of course, about real life is that it it does go on. And so I am fascinated as to how Brady and Kendall move forward here. They take their bodies, which are deeply broken. They try to heal. And how does that go once they reach safety? Well, yeah, they had this like glorious moment where they're like, we survived. And then they were both looking at each other and thinking, but will we ever be the same? And so the emergency helicopter arrived to take Kendall. He needed to be flown to Billings, Montana. It was a trauma center, a bigger hospital that could treat his injuries. And so they gave each other another hug and Kendall got on this helicopter ride. The helicopter ride was pretty cool though. see all the mountains and everything and the rivers that run through it. Kendall, you you know, you just had a bear attack and you're like taking in the scenery from the helicopter? Yeah, it was, I don't know. There's nothing else I could have done. Look at the bright side of things. Yeah, I guess they don't have Netflix on emergency helicopters, huh? <laughs> yeah. The fact that any of them were able to move, let alone like remember, let alone uh, morbidly enjoy any aspect of this is beyond my comprehension. It really is. And, you know, I worry, you know, I laugh when I tell this story and it's only because they do. It's because they give us permission. You know, I I wouldn't say they enjoy telling it, but there were parts of this that they are grateful for, believe it or not. The entire time I just kept thinking, there's people like me and then there's people like Kendall and Brady. And we need mm-hmm. the Kendalls and Bradys of this world. They do hard things. There's a stoicism and an acceptance of what life can throw at you that is just like kind of beautiful. I wanted to bottle it up and, and take it home with me. Yeah, because if you are assessed um, as they were at, at, at these hospitals, I imagine there's a reasonable response which is just to like give up yeah 
But what was the accounting on it here? What, what, what was the damage in a literal way? Yeah, horrific injuries. Um, Brady told me. So I had lacerations on my shoulder and my butt and leg. It chewed me up pretty good and it broke right through my arm with the first initial bite. And that's where I had had surgery and there was bite holes in my arm and, and right where the tooth went in, it hit my bone and just snapped it like it was a toothpick. Despite the, the EMT's diagnosis, Brady got taken to the, the hospital in Powell and the doctors came in and they looked at his arm and were like, we can't deal with that. Like that thing is going to need an orthopedic surgeon immediately. They drive me from the trailhead back to Cody and we get to Cody in the ambulance and the doctors in there kind of looked at me and I just said, we aren't going to do anything with them. Like we don't want them here. Next thing you know, Brady uh, is in an ambulance being transported to Billings, Montana, where they had a room set up for him where he was going to share it with a familiar face. So they just put me back in the ambulance and drove me up to Billings where Kendall was at and put us in the same room. So these two friends, these two fast friends who had shared this deeply horrific experience, they actually get robbed of a chance to share that very scenic helicopter ride together because... They end up at the same room at the end of the day, Brady and Kendall do. Uh, but what happened to Kendall specifically after he'd arrived in Billings before he was joined in the end by Brady? He needed 60 staples to his head to basically piece it. Jesus. 60 staples to put his head back together. So I had lacerations on my head here, and then my cheek was pulled open. Uh, lacerations and puncture wounds on this arm. And then on my leg, the puncture wounds from where it was biting in my hands. One thing is my cheek, it was just kind of hanging and I couldn't see that. And at some point the lady said, would you like to see your face? And I told her, yeah. And she gave me a mirror and I could just see it hanging in the scratches. The bear had bitten into his left cheek and through his left cheek so violently that the Surgeons actually found pieces of the bear's teeth in his teeth. But believe it or not, they spent a couple of days in this hospital together. And a couple of days later, they were back at Northwest College trying to heal up some more there. Yeah, this is this is the part of this story, Ryan, where I do remember now that... <laughs> This is a sports story, right? These guys, these guys are wrestlers. They're college wrestlers. They are athletes. And so how did the sports stuff go from there? Brady had been an All-American as a freshman. He's really good. Multiple state champion in Utah. And he really thought I could win a national title. So did the coaching staff. And so this thing happens after the first week of practice. And... You know, you would think both of their seasons would be over. Kendall was redshirting anyway, but you would think that Brady would be done, but he was not. He had had a bear attack October 15th. And <laughs> and so on January 26th, I was out there. It was about 100 days after the bear attack, and they had a big uh, series of dual meets at Northwest College. The long-awaited season debut for Brady Lowry will take place this weekend after the college wrestler survived a grizzly bear attack three months ago. It's been a long process with a lot of blood, sweat, and tears poured into the mats in this wrestling room in Powell, Wyoming, but it's a day he's been looking forward to and one he feared may never come. He was back in his singlet. He couldn't wait to get out there. It's an unbelievable recovery that he even got on the mat. <laughs> Attendance was sparse. 
But the people who were there, they were rooting for Brady Lowry. So he came out on the mat for his first match, took a lead. He looked really good. But man, toward the end of the second and third period, he just, you could see him kind of run out of gas. Part of it was certainly physical, but there was a part of him that just looked like he was struggling a little bit being out there, and he ended up losing that match. Lowry lost his first match by a point to the third-ranked wrestler in the country. He was heartbroken, exhausted, yanked his headgear off, and he hugged his coach and kept cruising off the mat, and the first guy who grabbed him was Kendall. And he leaned down and said something into Brady's ear. Kendall told me, People ask him all the time, how you doing? How are everything okay? How you feel? It's like the number one thing that people ask him. And so the thing that he said into Brady's ear is move forward, move forward. Whatever the situation is you are now, you know, get better and move forward. That's exactly what we heard from Brady. I think it's kind of a good motto for both of us, just move forward and be the best you you can be every day. And, and another day is a blessing. Kendall said, what matters right now, despite you just losing, is, is what happens in a month when we get the Nationals. So this, this is it's amazing. I mean, these guys will not quit. I, I, Ryan, this is the national championships we're talking about for junior colleges. This is the 2023 Junior College Wrestling Tournament. Brady is part of the Northwest College team. And so how does that go for our protagonist here? Well, he had one of the worst records in the tournament. He's one and four, uh, unseated. Uh, he will face nothing but seated wrestlers. But a remarkable thing happens. <laughs> I didn't even really look at the brackets to see who I had to wrestle and until I got there. And I got there and started wrestling my matches and kind of that first win at nationals when I beat a kid who beat me at regionals kind of got my flow back and and I felt it. He pins the 12 seed. Then he pins the five seed. Then he beats the four <laughs> seed in the quarterfinals. And all of a sudden, the whole arena is is buzzing about Brady. I came back thinking, you know, why not be a national champ while I come back? I got another year. I've wrestled. So national champ was my goal. When he gets to the semifinals, he's facing the number one seed. And Brady takes an 8-1 lead, almost has a pin at the end of the first period. And so there's like, the crowd is, is audibly ooing and aahing. Um, but Brady, you could see, kind of ran out of gas. Um, and this kid comes, comes roaring back and eventually pins Brady. And he drops down to the consolation bracket, wins another match down to the consolations, and he, and he finishes fifth in the country. It was awesome. After what a year it's been, and just to finish it on a positive note, my last match, really winning my last match, not knowing if I'm going to go anywhere. It might be my last match forever, but you did the best you could. Uh, okay, so I just, I just want to be very fair. Like, there should be an asterisk on that fifth place finish, and the asterisk is simply had been attacked by a bear, had also faced the number one seed of all creatures on the planet <laughs> before facing the number one seed in this tournament. It should also be in very small font there, too. Yeah, I mean, he tied a bear. 
you know, like he, he, got, he got out of there, you know, uh, that's right. So he's a, he is an unbelievable, unexpected all American with a final season record of five and six, by the way, you know, uh, and, and he survived a bear attack, uh, about 125 days before that. And it was a little bit later that he found out that uh, the coaches had voted and he had won the NJCAA Sportsmanship Award. The coaches come together and vote who they want it. They only give one award away. And and coaches came up to me and just told me after the season, you know, I was there with my team the whole time. And, and it was the coolest award I probably ever won was that Sportsmanship Award. Yeah, deserved, I would say, just on the merits. Um, having, again, <laughs> the whole bear attack thing, part of the resume. <laughs> yes. so is this how the sun is finally setting on our two protagonists here? This chapter of their lives was a tough one, but they, they both recently went and um, they got tattoos that you would never expect them to get. You know, Their bodies are mm. still healing up and they, they still they decided to go and get tattoos. And Brady asked for the face of a grizzly bear on his chest. And Kendall got a small <laughs> bear paw print on his. Uh, and What are we doing? Yeah. What is this story? Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> These guys are superheroes, man. It's just like... I can't handle the, the way that these guys have proven to be beyond <laughs> normal human comprehension. Well, it's an interesting thing they described, which is like... You know, when you think about some of the the real bad moments that life throws at you, you can either run from them or like lean in and and grab those things and say, what can I learn from this? And that's kind of what the tattoos are. They overcame something Mm. and they don't want to forget what it took to overcome. And the fact that they both kind of did this together, it's also, you know, it's a way to bond them, those two people, not just Brady with the event that happened and Kendall with the event that happened. It's a way that Brady and Kendall will forever be intertwined. And did they ever go back into the, the world of the outdoors? Because I will tell you, Ryan, as someone who relates more to your side of the ledger on the uh, scale of uh, humanity, I'd be done. <laughs> I'd be out. Yeah. Permanently. Yeah. They're outdoorsmen, Pablo, and we are indoorsmen. (laughs) You know, one of the things that's real interesting as they talk was neither one of them like puff up their chest like they're superheroes. Both of them admitted that they were so scared and they had moments when the attack was happening where they thought about running off. Like they don't pretend they're not human. And one of the parts to this that they began to realize as their bodies healed up was if we're going to push ourselves past this, we need to go back out into the woods and we need to go back out there together. It's kind of our getaway place. It's our happy place. I've always gone to the woods. And so we knew we were going to get back into it. It's just kind of a way of life. Like Brady said, it's a way of life. I'm glad that I can still get out and enjoy it and, not be totally worried all the time. They did not go back near the Bobcat Houlihan Trail. Um, neither one of them thinks they will go back to that exact spot. So they found a different spot and they they walked into the brush that day and they had the same basic goal of, of finding some horns and they did. 
but the biggest thing they found was some peace going forward. Ryan Hockett-Smith, my fellow proudly indoor person. (laughs) Thank you for telling us this story. Thank you, Pablo. And remember, move forward, buddy. Move forward. I am Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily, and our show is produced by Bradford Craig, Alexander Hyacinth, Mike Johns, Heather Lombardo, Ryan Antel, Mike Philbrick, Andre Soto, Andy Tennant, Chris Tuminello, and Aaron Vale. Special thanks this week to Deontay Epps, Kendall Majet, Frank Saracino, Garrett Lang, and Jackson Angelo. Sam Borden will take the reins here next week. I'm going to take a bit of a break starting on Monday. But yeah, stick with us. <laughs>